Welcome to The Alignment Show, featuring conversations with folks who have taken steps to identify their highest values and align their lives around them. Time on this earth is not unlimited, and you may be seeking to make sure you spend your time on things that matter to you. These conversations will encourage you and support you in doing so. Now, let's meet this week's guest on The Alignment Show. And good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time it might be in your part of the world, you are on The Alignment Show, and we're glad to have you with us today. I'm going to warn you folks, I'm going to be fanboying a little bit today. We have as our guest this week somebody that uh, I've known in various capacities for years. Uh, he, I consider him to be a mentor of mine. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about him. For over 30 years, Bob Berg has been successfully showing entrepreneurs, leaders, and sales professionals how to communicate their value and accelerate their business growth. I think he is probably best known these days for uh, his business parable that he co-authored with John David Mann, The Go-Giver. It's created a worldwide movement I would consider it an ecosystem. The Go-Giver has sold more than 1 million copies, translated into 30 languages, rated number 10 on Inc. Magazine's list of most motivational books ever written, HubSpot's 20 most highly rated sales books of all time. Very happy to have Bob on today, an advocate, supporter, defender of the free enterprise system, which we'll talk about a little bit, and an unapologetic animal fanatic including a cat named Liberty, which I know he wrote about some years back. Let's bring Bob on here. And um, uh, Bob, it's been a few years since you wrote about that cat. Mm. I have to ask, is he still around? Has he gone on to that screen? Yeah, Liberty, Liberty went over the Rainbow Bridge quite a while back. There's been a few since then, a bunch of foster cats now. Well, one since then was was Calvin, who was with me for a number of years. He was my, my best buddy, and uh, he's over the Rainbow Bridge, and now it's been a kind of a series of foster cats. I'm part of a foster uh, rescue network. So and that, um, It's interesting, Carl, you said you were a dog person. That's not primarily, of course, what yeah. we're here about, but I just I love that story. Um, and I've got a thousand questions, Bob, and limited time. Sure. So let me just kind of jump in here. Um, I was thinking about, well, first of all, you and I are close to the same age. So we kind of came up at about the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking that the first I was exposed to a little phrase called, I think it's pronounced, Tanstaple, that's how I've always said it, stands for there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. (laughs) I was in high school and I came across the term in a science fiction book by Robert A. Heinlein. I don't know if you're a Heinlein fan. I've never read them, but have heard great things about them. Great thing. Yeah. Yeah. The book was The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. And that led to a number of other things. I know you and I are both fans of the late Harry Brown, uh, a lot lot of... um, good information on the free enterprise system. Um, About that time, well, when I was in college, uh, I worked one summer selling books door to door. And at one and the same time, I got a book by Zig Ziglar called See You at the Top Uh. and by Robert J. Ringer called Winning Through Intimidation. They would seem to kind of be polar opposites. And yet, 
Uh, I've heard that a paradox is something that's true, the opposite of which is also true. And where this ties into you, Bob, is um, I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking in a way the sales approach that you teach, it's not opposed to what Zig taught. You later wrote a book called Winning Without Intimidation, and, right. and yet you and I both hold both of these folks in high regard. Yeah. Um, this is a complicated way of saying, how did you start forming your values that became so important to you over the years? Was it about that time you were thinking about those sorts of things? Well, so I guess if you go way back, my values were formed by being very, very, very blessed to have two great parents uh, who instilled in me, you know, the values that I hold today you know so so that was um that was very lucky on my part um it, it's interesting with <clears throat> with robert ringer with his book winning through intimidation and i later spoke with him about this um his book re- it was titled to sell as a 1970s book would sell mm-hmm. But it really wasn't about winning through intimidating others. It was really more about how not to be intimidated. 100% agree, yes. He always regretted, actually, that that title. And he later, back in the, I think it was the late 90s, may have been the early 2000s, he actually retitled the book. He updated it, and he called it To Be or Not to Be Intimidated. And, And that was much more like, but that never would have sold. In the 70s, especially back then. Yeah. The interesting thing is I've heard people say, oh, uh, winning through intimidation. I've read that book and I built my business on those principles. And I got to tell you, the way they said it, I guarantee you they didn't read the book. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, uh, I, I thought that the first time that, that I read the book and, and even with uh, with Zig's um, later books on sales, there's lots of techniques there. Your approach through the go-giver is less about techniques, more about principles and values. I think you can take any any principle. And, and you know, you and I know Zig's principles were wonderful, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. any technique, if you will, because there are principles, there are strategies, there are techniques, there are tactics, and they all have their proper time and place. As long as they're driven by values, you're uh, in the right place. Now, that doesn't mean that if a technique or a tactic is manipulative, but it's based on values, that that's okay. It's still not good to manipulate. Okay. But Zig's, if you want to say strategies, techniques, and tactics weren't manipulative, they were just that they were based on, let me give you an example. You know, for example, when he or someone like Tom Hopkins talks about the alternative choice, which is giving a person a choice of two yeses. Uh, you know, again, if, uh, would you like to meet at two o'clock or is four o'clock more convenient? Okay. Now that's because if you say to somebody, when would you like to meet? You're giving them too much of an open choice and they may not be able to deal with it. I mean, that's just human nature. And they, Or even if you say, is two o'clock uh, good to me? And they say, no, two's not good. Okay. Uh, would four o'clock? Uh, no, it's six o'clock. Now you're so it was just a very a basic way to make everyone comfortable with the process. Hmm. But that's also understanding that if two o'clock or four o'clock was not convenient, that person could also say, no, neither of those times are convenient. Hmm. Now, if someone's doing this to simply to manipulate a person, 
and kind of coerce them because they understand this person doesn't have the will to resist something, right? You know, so now you're talking about a whole different different thing. So my feeling is always that if you're if you're learning from someone whose values are correct, uh, that's the place to start. If you are reading something from someone, and I've certainly read books from people who uh, I would not want to be around these people, okay? Yeah. But the the strategies or, or tactics they utilized, if you put them, if you combine them, if you join them with a high principle, you could absolutely use them for good. Okay. So, sense, yeah. yeah. And, and so that's, you know, um, uh, you know, Ro- uh, Robert Greene, who's written a, a whole bunch of books that there's people who think this guy's the devil incarnate. No, he's not, but he's, he's, uh, he's just, he writes about human nature mm-hmm. and that's not always human nature. Always isn't always good, but yeah. Yeah. But and and to recognize lot. that. So certainly, uh, yeah. And you can get a lot from Robert, by knowing first what you would not want to do to someone else, but also to help you not to be manipulated by someone else. Going once again back to, to Robert Ringer. and uh, uh, Exactly. So, okay. yeah. And I'm, I want to tie in here. We're talking about people back in the 70s, people who were, um, what we say, Zig in particular, giants in the speaking uh, industry. You know, uh, these are people that you... No, have known. Um, Ringer's still working. I, I saw a, a, a seminar that he was putting on just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering, you were probably in your mid-20s, late-20s, early-30s when you wrote your first book. Uh, I, I know I know that you did some work as a TV news anchor. What I don't know is, like, what came first? Were you in sales first and then TV? Did you do TV and move into sales? As long as I've known you, Bob, I realized I didn't even know for sure what you sold before you set out on the speaker-author track. Yeah. So can you give us a little background there? Yeah. So I was in radio first as a sportscaster. And then I was the uh, a news reporter, then news anchor for a uh, the, the late night news guy for a very very small uh, ABC affiliate in the Midwestern United States. Uh, did that for I guess a year and a half, two years. I wasn't very good at it, and it, it what certainly wasn't going to be my career, though it has helped a real lot in knowing how stories are produced, in knowing how to be a good guest on other people's shows. Yeah, because I understand the industry and I understand how a story is put together. So that's very, very helpful. Uh, So the experience was great. It just wasn't something I was particularly good at. Uh, So I I like to say I graduated into sales. Um, Now, at first I sold radio uh, and television advertising. So I went from the the on-air part to the the uh, sales part. Uh, then I sold a high uh, high end ticket item uh, solar energy hot water heaters to homeowners. And uh, at that company, I'd worked my way up to sales manager and started then showing other people what had been working for myself and for my sales team, and kind of morphed into a, a speaking career. First, I was selling tapes. That's how long ago this was, selling tapes for another speaker who taught me how to, you know, do a 25 to 30 minute free speech and then sell the tapes from the back of the room, you know, at the front of the room, but have the tapes at the back of the room and so forth. Again, that was great experience Did that for a couple of years. Then I then I went out on my own and put my own uh, on my own stuff together. 
Okay. Okay. So now the, the next question that comes to mind is you could have spent an entire career selling the kind of things that you sold. Uh-huh. Uh, you learn how to sell effectively. Plenty of, of um, salespeople have done that. Since we're at the alignment show, we're looking at bringing your life into alignment with your values. I'm curious as to uh, you went from sales to sales manager to helping other people. Why not just stick with sales? What is it that led you to want to share these things with other people as opposed to just using them yourself? Mm-hmm. Well, so I enjoyed speaking. Um, and, you know, I, so I'd, I'd like to say, oh, some, you know, thing that I just had to do for humankind. No, I, that wasn't that wasn't what drove me to do that. Uh, when I was selling those tapes, making some extra money selling those tapes, and I thought it would be learn to, uh, fun to learn how to speak uh, in front of an audience and also, you know, make some extra money selling the tapes. And uh, from what they told me, I was the, you know, selling the most tapes in the country. That's probably because I was out doing it all the time more than anything else. But um, but I liked it. It was fun. So I, I love teaching. I think by nature, I'm a teacher. I know that you are, you're a professor. I mean, you're, you know, I, I love, love teaching because I'm not a good student. Never was a good student, barely graduated high school. Uh, I remember on the, the, actually on graduation day, uh, my, my guidance counselor uh, saw me in the, on the football field as, you know, we were coming off the field and he said to me, Berg, I can't believe I'm actually seeing you here today. <laughs> and and he was a nice guy. I mean, he wasn't one of these people you look back, oh, what a, you know. No, he was a really great guy, but he was right. Uh, I was out of school more than I was in school. I had no respect for the whole, you know, uh, thing. And and then I, I managed to get into college, a small state college on academic probation. And I'm pretty sure I graduated on academic probation, if, if that's possible. <laughs> um, my real learning began when I got in sales. Because aside from learning the how-to, the skills, which are very important, what I came to realize was it's the it's the personal development aspect, which is the key. So, you know, I started reading all the, the, the cla- what we would call the classics, right? And that is you know, how to win friends and influence people, think and grow rich, the magic of thinking big, psycho-cybernetics, as a man thinketh, the greatest salesman in the world, the richest man in Babylon, and, you know, the, the one minute manager, you know, I mean, all these, these books that just began to, they built me on the inside. This was my education. This is where I began to, to learn that I knew nothing. I mm-hmm. thought I knew everything. I didn't. Right. So, and, so how old were you when you kind of had that realization? I, roughly? Yeah, mid to mid 20s, more mid 20s, I'd say that's when it started. And then as I got into my late 20s, I was like on a roll. And then it was in my 30s, I began to speak. And, and um, yeah, and so yeah, so, so it started out as something I just did, because it was fun. And I thought it'd be a great way to earn an income, make a living. Uh, But I came to love, really love doing that. And, and yeah, love the contribution that I, I felt I was able to make to a certain level. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I I will comment as an educator, I'm aware that only about 15 percent of our population actually learns easily by the traditional methods. Mm -hmm. So when when you say you barely graduated, I relate. I relate not only through my own work, but through seeing in my students. And yet Mm -hmm. it is human nature to learn. You've been a lifelong student one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the development that I think I see, one of your early books uh, that you were best known for for a long time was Endless Referrals. Yeah. 
And I think that came out in the early mid nineties. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and so, um, that was, uh, as, as you were doing the speaking to begin with, I see some of the principles that later came out in the go giver yeah. in English referrals. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering about that development. You were an accomplished writer, John David Mann, your co-author was an accomplished writer. You guys teamed up. Uh, how did you come up with the five laws of stratospheric success? Was that sitting down one day with a piece of paper? Is it something that gradually came to you as you worked in sales? How did those develop? Mm. So, yeah, I mean, those are, are great questions. And and yeah, when you think about it, the in the natural order of things, it should have been the go giver first. Right. Because that's actually the overall the overriding um, principles, if you will, the five laws or the, the five principles. Um, but gosh, so we like to say the laws wrote themselves. Now, of course, as by the way, as you know, and I, I hope everybody knows, John David Mann was the lead writer of The Go-Giver. This guy's a brilliant, brilliant writer. And I mean, I'm a how-to author you know, <laughs> who just was fortunate enough to team up with John. Um, but we like to say that the, the laws wrote themselves. They, they did, but they didn't just write themselves. It was basically we discussed a whole lot of what made people successful. Right. And John, who's a very successful entrepreneur, okay, in his earlier days. Um, and he, by through being a, a writer, has gotten to interview some of the most successful people in the world, financially as well as other ways. As a speaker, I've gotten to appear on stage with some of the most successful people in the world, financially and otherwise. Well, we're both question askers. I always want to know, and we're both voracious readers. I love success stories. I'll study anything that's about success, basically, right? Um, and so we talked about what it is that that all successful people do, whether they realize it or not. Because throughout the years, a lot of people have become successful without understanding exactly what they did to get there. They did it. They did certain things intuitively in uh, his 1910 classic, the science of getting rich Wallace D Waddles calls it doing things the certain way. Right. Mm -hmm. And whether you know you're doing it or not, if you do things the certain way, you're going to probably be successful. If you don't, you're probably not going to be successful. Right. And so we, we looked at the basic things that people did and it made sense to, you know, begin with value, the law of value. Why? Well, that's the underlying principle at remember Zig's famous saying, you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Right. That's really the law of value when you think about it. Right. And, uh, you know, focus on the value you're providing another human being. I, I, Don, when I speak at sales conferences, I've often said, no, I'll often begin by saying, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet, right? No one's going to buy from you because you need the money and no one's going to buy from you just because you're a really nice person. They're going to buy from you because ultimately they believe they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And really, that's the only reason why anyone should buy from you or from me or from anyone else. So the law of value is basically saying to the degree that you provide someone with enormous value in a way that they value it, right? Value is always in the eyes of the beholder. That's the degree they're going to do business. Or as John and I say, and John coined this phrase, uh, money is simply an echo of value. 
It's the thunder to values lightning. So that was the first law, that kind of, right? Then there was the law of compensation. Okay, it's not just about the value you provide. That represents your potential income, but it's also how many people's lives you impact with that value. Okay, so that's compensation. It also has to do with Ralph Waldo Emerson's saying, you know, about you cannot uh, you cannot uh, do something for someone else without it. I'm paraphrasing very badly without it in some way coming back to you. Okay, so that's compensation. Then how does this all begin? Well, that's where influence is influence, which is understanding, you know, what I've been saying for 30 years that. All things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust, right? And we know there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by genuinely moving from that I focus or me focus to an other focus. Or as Sam, one of the mentors, advised Joe, the protege, to make your win all about the other person's win. So that was a good place for influence. And then authenticity, and John wrote that up beautifully about Deborah Davenport and and then, you know, and then and that's all great. But there's also another part of it. If you're going to be successful, you've got to be able to receive. Right. This is the thumb part to those other four fingers. You know, you can't just give. You've also got to be able to receive. We breathe out. We breathe in. And, you know, that's kind of how the laws happen. So, yeah, they wrote themselves. And of course, John David Mann's genius in putting them on paper was was amazing, um, but they didn't come from, they didn't come without context. That makes a lot of sense, and I mean, the collaboration between the two of you and the conversation helped to bring these things together. Um, as you say, John David Mann, a different sort of writer than yourself, um, was was it? How should we put this? Whose idea was it to put these principles, these laws, into the form of a business parable? And by oh. the way, we've got folks who are commenting yeah. with us online. Our guest last week, Evie Diaz, uh, had said that was the first book I bought from him. I think she's talking about endless referrals. I'm sure. not I, sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and we, we've got several people on live with us right now. Um the business parable, you mentioned a few of them, uh, the richest man in Babylon, um, uh, oh, Ogmandino is the greatest salesman in the world. This is a whole genre. Why present it in that form as opposed to just a straight how-to book? Well, because stories connect. You know, stories connect on a heart-to-heart level in a way that a how-to book doesn't. I love how-to books. I've, every book I wrote before you know, working with John on the go-giver has been a how-to and every book afterwards has been a how-to. I love how-to books, love reading how-to books, Uh, but they don't connect like a story does. And Mm -hmm. I I just remember when reading stories, when reading parables, whether it was the ones I mentioned, and then you had people like Chris Widener and John Gordon, um, there's Andrea Waltz and Richard Fenton, go for no, uh, you know, there's all these where you can learn these magnificent, magnificent lessons while really feeling connected both with the author and with the characters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we thought, what if we could just take, you know, those principles, put them in the form of a story, you know, and connect on that level. And, and you know, mm-hmm. that, that's really how it was decided. I'm curious because uh, there are. Depending on how you look at it, there, there are four books, maybe five books in the Go-Giver 
universe. Uh, John David Mann and um, Anna. Anna wrote a book that fits into the genre, but you weren't involved in writing that one. That was The Go-Giver Marriage, right. also a parable. Mm -hmm. um, Go-Giver Leader... Uh, Go-Giver Influencer. Go-Giver Influencer. Yeah, and then right. the only one that's not a parable is um is go -giver go -giver sell, more. sell more yeah now john and anna's book the go-giver marriage that's actually half parable and half how-to because anna that is her that was her profession and so she did a magnificent you know how-to and john did a fantastic parable and actually he wrote a parable there was a parable within the parable so it's it's you know how he does that stuff and i thought i thought he and anna just did a magnificent job in that book. oh yeah yeah um complexly layered and yet simple in its approach. Mm -hmm. um, so why did you decide not to do Go Giver Sell More in the parable form? How, how does it compare with the others in the universe? Yeah, the reason why was because after the, the Go Giver, it got off to a really good start. We, we started getting a lot of questions about, and you know, a parable by its nature is kind of surface. You can only go so deep in, in a parable, right? And so we started getting a lot of questions. But first, a lot of questions about application. But also we started getting great stories sent to us about people who, who use these five laws. Now, here's the thing. Many of them, sure, once they read the book, but many of them who wrote to say, this is how I built my business. So long before the go-giver, remember, nothing in the go-giver is particularly original. I mean, principles are principles, laws are laws. Right. Um, I, I remember the great saying by the late Jim Rohn, he said, beware of the person who comes to you promising new fundamentals. Right. <laughs> and so um, and so when the publisher uh, asked us to write two more books, uh, we thought the first one should be just an application guide to the go-giver itself. So we could share a little bit deeper into the how to apply these laws give some great stories about people who got the first book and started doing that, such as the person who, who was looking for a job after a long time in corporate life and they could not find one. And they were, it was all about them trying to, but what they did after they read the book, the go-giver, they got this idea of forming a group. This was in St. Louis of a, a bunch of other people who had been let go or were searching for jobs. And what they did is instead of focusing on themselves, they all went out batting for each other to find other people and everybody started getting jobs. And so that was just a great success story. And then we also included examples from people who, you know, had been doing this for long before the go-giver was ever a thing. So yeah, that's why we did that in a, in more of an application guide. Okay. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, I've, I've got, we're running short of time here. I've got two questions that I want to be sure that we oh, get yeah, in. Sure. Um, one, you know, when the pandemic hit three years ago, a lot of people have gone through this reassessment. Some people call it the great resignation, but mm -hmm. I think people have just figured out life is short. When the yeah. pandemic hit, a lot of folks in the speaking industry said it's time to retire. You know, a lot of the folks who had been around for a while and mm -hmm. you've been around for a while. Another segment of the speaking industry tried to ride it out. And after a year and a half, two years said, you know, we got to got to figure out this Zoom thing. We've got to figure out some other model. Um, why? Why did you keep going? I mean, in a way, Hall of Fame speaker, uh, you, you, you could easily have said, 
I can sit back. Not only did you not try to wait it out, you immediately started figuring out another model. We want to be sure and mention here in a bit the Go-Giver Success Alliance, a community that you put together. And I would assume in part in response to the fact that you weren't hopping on an airplane every few days and going speaking somewhere. Well, I had over the past maybe six or seven years began really pulling back on my out of town or what I call on an airplane speaking engagements. Cause I never liked the travel part of the business. I always loved my business. I was blessed to do this for so many years, but I never, never enjoyed the travel. So I, I had pulled back anyway. I think by the time the pandemic hit, I was down to doing about 15 out of state, you know, on an airplane engagements a year anyway. So uh, so I, that was really fine. Had I been younger and still on the road more that that might've been an issue, but, um, so, so that wasn't really a big thing. And I thought, you know, first of all, now is the time probably where we're going to be able to do more online ones, you know, uh, uh, virtual keynotes, which means I don't have to get on a plane. And, um, and so, um, you know, I get less money for those, but so what, I don't have to get on a plane. <laughs> you know, no. I think the key point here is I don't have to get on a plane. And so, um, so that was, that was fine. And then Kathy, my brilliant business partner, Kathy Tejanel, um, she and I had years ago had the idea about doing a, you know, a go-giver success alliance type of, uh, type of thing. But back then it was on over the phone. The meetings were over the phone and things like that. It just, it just didn't really take, didn't really catch on. So mm-hmm. we figured the time was, was now right to do something like that. Um, she's really good with the tech stuff. Um, I'm not, I'm on tech a lot, but that's because she creates that environment for me to do the things I do best. So I can do interviews. I can do virtual keynotes because she has me all set up to be able to do that. Um, so it, it kind of worked out. It wasn't any kind of brilliant strategizing on my part. It was more on Kathy's part. That's where the, the brilliant strategizing came. So, yeah. So, um, you know, I'd like to be able to say I had this great foresight and did eh. Not really. <laughs> well, and and just the um, what we say strategic alliances. You know, uh, you and John David Mann, you and Kathy Tejanel. Um, it, it just makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. We want to be sure. I've got going across the bottom here for folks who are hearing audio only. You can find out more about Bob by simply going to Berg.com, B-U-R-G.com. You can tell from that that Bob got in on the Internet thing early because getting those nice short URLs, really hard these days. Uh, And and so you can find out more there. Um, Bob, I want to be sure and mention your um, Daily Impact, which is a free resource that you make available to people where they can get some of this wisdom in an ongoing basis. I uh, want to say a little bit about that. Yeah, it's just a fun jolt in the morning. It's it's some how to, but it's also um, uh, hopefully some insights that just kind of you can think about throughout the day, and it's going to keep you going and it's going to keep you inspired. And uh, we yeah, they're sent out Monday through Friday. Comes out in the morning, so it's Ooh. sort of like that morning cup of coffee. Yeah, exactly. Have it with with your coffee. That's a yeah. great idea. And by the way, folks, coffee figures in prominently throughout the Go Giver. Uh, in fact, it's yeah. part of Rachel's Rachel's famous coffee. Exactly. There we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and those of you who are on live or who see it really soon after the recording comes out, within 24 hours, 
Bob is having this live virtual event to make it possible for people to kind of check out the community. So if you're watching this by a recording and it's past March 16th, wish you had been on live. <laughs> but I think it's still worthwhile going to Berg.com and getting on the mailing list. They do this every so yeah. often to where you can kind of, it's like, it's like cheese samples at Kroger, you know, where you can sample the community and what a community it is. Thank uh, you. In a little bit of time we have left, Bob, you want to say anything about that virtual event? It's it's really uh, what we call go giver connecting, which is is really networking. But you know, networking has that sort of connotation where people still think it's about getting in there and just telling people about what you do and blah 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 blah. Where this is really, uh, you know, the the true definition of networking, which I believe is the cultivating of mutually beneficial give and receive win-win relationships. So we'll take the first 10 minutes and show people how to do this, including two or three questions they can ask, which will forever change the way they connect with people. And then we'll actually put people into rooms where they can practice with one another and hopefully make some great connections. I like to say it takes the sleeves or the perceived sleeves. <laughs> it's hard to say that. The perceived <laughs> sleeves out of networking. I mean, it's just fostering conversation. Thank you. I really encourage folks to check that out. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, Bob. We're just a little bit over time, and I know you've got another event coming up here in less than half an hour. Yeah. So let me take just a moment to introduce folks to next week's guest and to say thank you to Bob Berg. Really appreciate having you on this week. And I've been fanboying the whole time. So thank you, Bob. Next week, we will have on our um, podcast on the Alignment Show, Vidya Raman. Vidya is somebody I know through another speakers group, and she's doing some really great work in terms of evaluating what matters to her and changing her life in order to carry those out. So be sure and join us next week. Uh, I think next week we are going to be starting at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. But you can always watch. Let's see. Let's get our podcast home QR code up there. Uh, let's see. This is like running a starship. Got to get our, our stuff up there. There we are, confidencecultivators.com. You can always get the show notes and find out about upcoming guests, catch past shows, in any case, we look forward to being with you again next week right here on The Alignment Show. Now, there's one more thing that we need to do, and that is our outro. See you next week. That's it for this week's episode of The Alignment Show. What has it inspired you to do in your own life? Whatever it is, take action now and take the first step. It will help you to talk with a friend about what you're thinking. Share confidencecultivators.com to spread the goodness. And remember to live your values and value your life. We will see you next week on The Alignment Show.